sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, September 4th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, with me live and direct as we hope to make it a profitable day for you and put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, you can only imagine how I felt when that three dropped with less than a second left, giving my investment in this whole thing is the Boston Celtics looked like they were going to go up three games to zero on the Toronto Raptors taco fall guarding an inbounds pass, but it gets to OG and and he hits a three as time expires. The Toronto Raptors may have just saved their season with a one Oh, for 103 victory over the Boston Celtics. Kev, this could be the Raptors coming back from the brink. That, you know, if that happens, I don't know, what, nine out of 10 times Boston wins that game? 97 out of 100 times Boston wins that game in that time and score with that inbounds play. But all you need is one, and Toronto got the one they needed yesterday. It is impossible to overstate how important that shot was. And it's yeah. not just about stealing a game. The difference between being down 2-1, right, as they mm-hmm. were last year against the Bucks, is obviously a lot more comfortable than being in a position that has literally, in the history of the league, never mm-hmm. resulted in a series win, which is being down 0-3. You cannot come back from it seemingly in the NBA unless the Toronto Raptors were going to pull off the most miracle comeback literally in league history by coming back down from 3-0. That series was done. If OG Ananobi and his 39% on the season three-point shooting on only three attempts a game misses his fifth Attempt, and he sinks it wide open. Kyle wide open, Kev. With a wide fantastic open. pass. Nick Nurse with a tremendous out-of-bounds play. The Celtics, though, with some indefensible defense. Also, yeah. stop guarding inbounds passes for the rest of the league's history. If Taco Fall can't stop an inbounds right. pass, then we're all wasting our time and have an extra man on only five possible shooters and actually trying to defend the inbounds pass. The Toronto Raptors are the type of team that you do not want to give steam to. That's right. All of that is obvious. It really, it's just the simple fact that if they miss that, like forget the steam. Here's the thing. If this happened in game four, I don't care. They're not coming back down. 
from 3 0. No, but now but it's 2 1 3 0. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Kev. And literally, I'm telling you, this could change the fortunes of the entire NBA, the entire NBA playoffs, if you want to know the truth, right? Because I think you have to admit, whoever comes out of this series is live in any series they play here on out, right? So this could completely change the fortunes of it. You're right, Taco Fall guarding the inbound pass as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including on the West Coast. Thanks for waking up early with us on the Mightier 1090. This is the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. So that was amazing, Kev, right? And like we said, a play that hardly will ever happen, the inbound play, the laps on defense, the shot being made, and also, Kev, literally being able to get that shot off in time. Right. You know, he catches mm-hmm. and shoots in the point five. Like there's a universe also where all that happens and he takes a tenth of a second too long. You know what I mean? And the ball is still on the tip of his fingers and called off. But here's what I want to ask you. You know, going into yesterday, Kev, I remember we looked at these prop bets, right? And I was like, who's going to step up? Who's going to score for Toronto? And we identified three guys. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said if you take all three, you'll go above 500 on them. And if you took all three, you went two and one because Kyle Lowry got 31 points. FVV with another 25. Siakam with 16 to chip in. But there was this kind of you know spread offensively, at least among the starters. And uh, if you did those prop bits, you went two and one and made some money, Kev. Yeah, listen, Kyle Lowry came out right away and looked to set the tempo. He was aggressive, but he was aggressive throughout, and that was very important. Still really can't find his three-point shot, though, uh, and that is concerning. Van Vliet, more efficient from three, 25 points. You'll love that. Now, Siakam was the one, right, that would have left you kind of behind, only 16 points, 6 of 15 shooting, but he was a plus 12, a game-high plus 12. And in 38 minutes, that's incredibly impressive in a game that your team wins by one point. So I think ultimately they have to be happy with what they got from their guys. Now, don't show Mike Budenholzer this box score. He'll have no one comprehension about how these guys played this many minutes. He'd pass out <laughs> Kyle Lowry playing 46 with five fouls. Brad Van Vliet playing 41 with five fouls. How could this be? Um, and just to quickly note, though, on the other side of the props thing, we did have a conversation about Jason Tate on possibly struggling on the heels of a 34-point performance. And he comes right. back. With 15 on 5 of 18 shooting. Five of and that is the reality of going up against this Toronto Raptors defense and still the reality of Jason Tatum at this point in his career. He's not a walking 25. He's not a guaranteed 30 spot in big games. We're just not there yet in his career. All right, fair enough. We're wondering the same question about Jamal Murray. He was back on the court for game one. We'll talk about that game when we come back. I got to tell you, Kev, like you said, you can't overestimate this impact. I wonder how Boston feels. We'll talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All 
Welcome back in, everybody. Here on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, we are going to go to this next game one out west. But I do want to ask you one more question about this uh, Celtics-Raptors game. You started by saying you cannot overstate the importance of this win, talking about how historically teams are not coming back from 3-0, right? It really almost would have been kind of like a big-time nail in the coffin of Toronto and putting them in a huge disadvantage. And then the way the shot happened, the kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to call it luck, but, you know, when you pull a rabbit out of your hat, like that and we're talking about how this could mean like more than one win for toronto right give them a chance what about on the flip side you know is it is it so so much of a letdown so like depressing from the boston side to be like oh snap we got this we're about to roll here we're up three nothing and then all of a sudden be like oh snap we're now 2-1. Maybe we've let the defending NBA champs back into it. it. You know, is there a universe where this is like more than one loss for Boston? What do you think they need to do? What do you think their mindset is? Or do they just keep playing their thing and realize that, you know, they have been the better team in this series and that like the cream will rise to the top? Or do you think is there reason for concern or alarm on the Boston side? Again, the reason for concern is if he misses that shot, there currently is a 100% success rate of you advancing to the next round if you're the Boston Celtics. That's, right. that's, a, that's the concern. That's the frustration. But if you remove that, the three games, Celtics have been the better team. Yeah, That's just what it is. They've been the better team. They were up by 10 at half. They'll be kicking themselves for giving this game away. But here's the thing. It's not as if they, they gave this game away and they couldn't get. No, no, no. They get, they, this game got tight because the Raptors are, were going to make a run, and the Celtics came right back. Right. And, and the Celtics came right back. And in a tie game after, uh, I think it was uh, a Kyle Lowry layup or a Fred Van Vliet layup that tied this thing at uh, 101 all, Kemba Walker comes down, got, drops a dime to Daniel Tice, and this team's up. You know, but there happened to be .5 left, and they ran this perfect out-of-bounds play. Now, the, right. the Celtics should not be sat there saying to themselves, oh, we are done. No, 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 no. You shouldn't be saying that. Now, here's the thing. Similarly that we've talked about with the Raptors and their offensive woes, the Celtics scoring in quarters two through four, 24, 23, and 23 is unacceptable. Too much offensive talent out there. I know the Raptors are going to make it hard. You've got to be better than that. You just do. And they will be, though. That, that is my expectation. All of that to be said, though, if they do lose the next game, then you yeah. have to worry about the avalanche. You have to worry about thing, yeah. the Raptors feeling way too good about themselves. So this next game, and look, it'll sound like it's obvious, but the next game is the most important game. If they go up 3-1, then we're going to be like, yeah, okay, a lot, of, right. a lot of breathing room here, right? But if it's 2-2, two, two, you, know, you know the Raptors flip back to favorites in the series, and, and, and all of mm -hmm. that will follow. Yeah, I can see game four being the linchpin, like you said, is that that's what will turn game three into the beginning of an avalanche or this ridiculous blip on the radar when they pulled this rabbit out of their hat. Right. And how they perform in game four is what's going to see what the perception of this amazing end to game three was. In fact, let's look at the other game that happened last night where we had the first game of the Western Conference semifinals as the Clippers and the Nuggets got involved and started that series. And Kev, a lot of people thought you even said it here on this show where Jamal Murray was like, wait, we play after one day off. And a lot of people 
people thought that they would be running on fumes. Now, the Denver Nuggets did score 31 points in the first quarter, right? And it's tied after one. But then it feels like they kind of run out of gas. Only 20 points in the second, only 16 points in the third as the Clippers get that working margin and win going away 120 to 97. And honestly, I think we saw this in the stars who got them there in game seven, moving on for Denver, running out of gas on some level. Kev, Jamal Murray, five of 15, Nikolai Jokic, six of 14. And I got to tell you, and even Michael Porter, right? Two of nine. When you combine those all up, you're not going to win a game for Denver if those three dynamic scorers are somewhere around 30%. It just isn't going to happen, Kev. I know we said it was a tall task for the Nuggets in game one because of the emotion and all that happened in their series with the Clippers still waiting there. It feels to me like they tried to give their bench punch early, hung with them, but then ran out of gas as soon as we hit quarter number two. Yeah, for me... I reject the fatigue excuse. It's okay. 31 all at the end of one. That's what I'm saying. You play 12 one, minutes. Right? Yeah. You play 12 minutes and you fall apart. Okay. Right. So you fell apart in the second. You all just sat in the locker room, right? During halftime. And you scored less in the third quarter. 16 points in a quarter. And the main reason why I reject this is they pulled this garbage against the Jazz. There's a reason why this team was down 3-1. They just disconnect. They, and they, they and you can't say, oh, well, they were tired in game three of that right. series at the same exact rest level as the Jazz. Like, they just, they they lose it. They tap out and, and they give up. And they put themselves in these, in these holes that are unimaginable. To lose a quarter by 18 is ridiculous. And to then respond to that, by scoring 16 points in a quarter is preposterous. But they just they just tap out. I understand you've got tired legs that we've talked about. So what yeah. happens in game two? It's still only a day off. The Clippers still have a massive rest advantage. So is this going to be a sweep? And the Denver Nuggets lost the series before it started because they had to go seven because, again, they pulled this same garbage against the Jazz and could only be focused over your apparently bursts because okay then then we're not doing it then what are we doing here that that's my issue with this you, you right. can't score 31 in the first quarter you didn't lose players you didn't trade Jokic after one you didn't trade Jamal Murray after one and then score 36 in quarters two and three combined that's unacceptable but it's what this team has done they keep putting themselves in holes no, I hear you, Kevin. That's idea of like, <clears throat> that's why I framed it the way I did, right? Maybe they used up all their adrenaline to give them their best shot and hang early, you know, and then ran out of gas. I understand not buying that premise. You know, I'm just saying that's that's what uh, conventional wisdom or the quote unquote narrative may be, right? But to your point, maybe it's not a rest disparity thing, but Kev, I do think there's something to the fact, not talking about it on the Clippers, uh, on the Nugget side, but on the Clippers side about why they may be prime and ready to go very far in this playoffs, Kev. What about nothing about the Nuggets? What about the fact, Kevin, that the Clippers are just damn deep, okay? Outside of their starting lineup, Kev, there's five other dudes, you know what I mean, that are doing real things. Jeff Green, now Harrell is back, right? Lou Williams, obviously, we know about him. Reggie Jackson, and Shamit with 21 minutes, like, 
They are just deep. They have guys that play different roles. They can get the offense from off the bench. They can get defense from off the bench. I understand not buying the fact that Denver went to game seven, but what about the fact that in a vacuum by itself, the fact that the Clippers are so deep and are so flexible and variable and multiple, what about that being like a feather in their cap, especially moving forward down the line in the playoffs? Well, and, and then that's when then you want to give Clipper, the Clippers, though, credit for winning by 23. And this having to just do with the talent that's on that team. Sure. And that's and, what I'm saying. What if we frame it that way, right? Like the Clippers are coming in waves, have that. And so if this kind of tired legs excuse is out there in the world, even moving forward, might the Clippers be equipped in this playoff setting? Listen, they're, they're, they're title favorites for a reason. Like they, they have Fair. all the talent in the world. Kawhi Leonard came out from the word go, was locked in. Marcus Morris had his Knicks jersey back on. And the game, you know, this is the thing. Yeah. The game wasn't over immediately. They didn't jump on them. It was 31-31. And the yep. Nuggets had a, had a lead for a little bit there in the first quarter. And then the Nuggets just tapped out. You play 12 minutes. You don't just crumble to dust after 12 minutes. You don't. And then when you get to the half and you have time to catch your breath, you don't somehow play worse in that than third. Like, th that just doesn't happen. It, but it's they have these issues, these hurdles that they have to get over. Yes, the Clippers are making it tough on them. And the Clippers played a fantastic game, okay? They played a tremendous game. Them having 69 points in the first half is, is probably not a fluke. Denver has a lot of answers, a lot of questions to answer, rather. Yeah, I mean, that is true. Remember, those big three that I talked about when I combined 13 for 38 from the field, maybe some positive regression is there, but the Clippers' defense will have something to say about it. Let's hear what else happened with the Sports Grid news update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thanks, as always, to Chris Welsh there with our Sports Grid update. We welcome back in our radio audience as well from around the country here. Thanks for waking up a little bit early with us. We hope we put the fun and functional sports content, give you a little bit of the edge. That's what we do here on Sports Grid. Kev, let's turn our attention to the one seeds that are in action Today, we start in the East where the Milwaukee Bucks have questions they need to answer. They are down 2-0 to the Miami Heat. Yet, Kevin, they are five-point favorites today. You know, that's what I don't understand, right? You know, if you can say from what we have seen, Miami's been the better team so far. The series price now has Miami. But yet on a game-by-game -game basis, the books still not only are listing Miami as the favorite, but five-point favorites in this one 223 is the total what are you looking for in this game i know you've been talking about boonholzer and his ability to make adjustments adapt maybe we'll be looking for Giannis's playing time what are you looking for here in game three yeah you know i just want to say this is something that you and i did discuss quite a bit about how odd these series would be because the line would pretty much be the same in every single game because yeah. the home court was never going to flip and just what does that mean right. for the favorites and, and just how odd that is. So 
yeah, it's not surprising to still see the fight. Because what are they going to do? They can't just tap out and be like, all right, you're a five-point favorite. They're a better team. They can't do that. Because it'll no, just you. be one, one-sided action. Um, we enter this game, though, and boy, am I, am I struggling here on a side. Because here's the thing, right, Dane? You're, you're, I'm, I'm torn in two spots. I have the team that I think is set to win this series, the better matchup, up right. to well. And you've seen it with your own two eyes in the way you thought it would be. And now you're being asked to find reasons to counter your own analysis. And the the lone reason is the the idea of them being up 3-0 in the one seed is gluttonous. Like that is that it that sounds a little bit, you know, too far. But that's why I like. But don't we always caution against everybody? Hold on, Kev. I'm sorry, but don't we always say anytime your analysis starts with "There's no way this can happen," like that? That's always a fool's errand. No. Yeah. Yes. And and that is why ultimately yesterday I didn't pull the trigger on the Toronto Raptors. But but okay. also Dane, you know we've seen a lot of series not teams not be able to go three zero. In fact, that is <laughs> often the case, right? Like that's a yeah. very hard thing to do. Ask sure. the Boston Celtics. So that is why, like, I ultimately probably don't want to back a side in this game because the Heat can be a good matchup, right? And win this series. Because here's so, Dane, you had them winning the series in yes. six games, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes. They got to lose twice. They got to lose know, twice. I hear you. Yeah, so I, I that's kind of. That's kind of why it, it's a little bit difficult, I think, then to pick the side. In the same way, and I'd probably rather play props in the total for this game specifically. All right, so I definitely want to ask you about the total and and some of the prop bets. But on on this on this concept first, right? Like, let me ask it to you this way: What have you seen in games one and two, uh, or mm-hmm. what like what is giving you belief, right? Like that something will be different, you know? Like, because we talk about the zigzag theory, right? Like on one level, it's like oh. Maybe this series is moving back to Miami, but that's not there anymore, right? Like, and so I'm asking you for like, what is the adjustment going to be? X's and O's wise. And I know it's tough to ask you this when part of your narrative has been like you don't believe in the ability for them to make adjustments. But giving your context, giving the framework and the way you are laying it out, which I agree with, right? Something has to change. What mm-hmm. will that be, Kevin? The thing is, there there's an <laughs> there is an easy change to be made that gives Good. them the, the play Giannis forty some odd there minutes. You go. Play okay. in forty some odd minutes. But the problem right. is, and the, what what did I say to you though as we watched that Magic series unfold? I said I said, Dane, listen, I've been talking to you about how this is the Miami thing, but it's becoming also a lot more of a Milwaukee thing because yeah, Budenholzer, hey. some nobody told him it was the postseason. And apparently, still nobody's told him. Just told you Kyle Lowry just played 46 minutes the other day. That's right. Okay. And now Giannis is going to, is, is, what are we going to do? So, and that's why though, but I don't want to put money on Mike Budenholzer waking up because he's asleep. And, and like, do you know what I'm, so <clears throat> that's why ultimately, I, do. I don't find it necessary. This is where now I'm pulling from you. I don't have to bet it. I don't have to bet a side here because you're I because if you're if you bet the heat, right? Them being up yeah. 3-0, I do think I do believe it is is a is a lot. I do believe that that is a big a, a big bridge to be climbing. Although I can make a lot more arguments for it than the number 1 seed Milwaukee Bucks taking this game. 
But the Milwaukee Bucks do have an easy adjustment to be made that gives them a better chance. So then let me ask it to you this way, because what we do here on Sports Grid is try to find the edge, right? Now, Mm -hmm. what I'm about to say here, I guess, requires you, Kev, to take something of a leap of faith and confidence in, you know, Budenholzer, okay? But if you think there's an easy adjustment, if there's an obvious thing to be done, right? Let's assume that thing happens, because what we also know, Kev, is that a lot of these prop bets are set off of an algorithm of what we've seen. Okay, Mm -hmm. so if 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 say and I don't even I won't even say Giannis. Okay, let's say Middleton. Okay, if you are expecting Middleton to get six more minutes than the algorithm expects him to get. Right. Because you are you are anticipating the adjustment that must come. Right. Then my logical mind. Right. Would think maybe there's value in some Middleton props and overs because he's going to have more opportunity, more exposure than what they've seen early in the series. Because, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks are backed into a corner and here's how they're going to respond. The same way Toronto has to respond in terms of putting their stars out on the floor. Let them get tired. They can rest in the offseason if they lose two more games. If that's the case, would you want to get ahead of it on guys like Middleton props anticipating this adjustment that may come or am I crazy Kev you're not crazy the logic is all there except Middleton I am worried about because he had 19 points 21 points in the first half of that game in game number one and then was pretty much non-existent in the second half and then here in game two 23 points, that's great, except it was 11 of 12 from the line that made that happen, as he was 6 of 15 from the field and 0 of 3 from 3. And we've seen Chris Middleton lay absolute eggs in this postseason a number of times. Now, he was a plus 18. But again, if I was going to go to a guy based on minutes, it would be Giannis, who we've okay. seen play the entirety of the fourth quarters. I mean, but also, we're still talking about a 30 and a half. I mean, yeah, it's still a saying, monster that number. Just be big. Yeah. The only time he's gotten over it when these teams met up was the bubble game. So yeah, like, but that's what I'm like. It's it's a tough mountain to climb. I'll tell you this though, as it pertains to the total, this game had went went over last game, right? Two hundred and thirty yeah. points, right? That's that's not bad, but it, you didn't fly over. You had seventy one free throws. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And you only got to 230 with 71 free throws. I'm thinking about coming back around to this under. All right, fair enough. Hey, let me ask you one other thing. You know, we go fishing and you are the NBA prop bet king. And sometimes, <laughs> Kev, I think they give you little indications because in the prop bets, they can only move the juice so far. And I, mm-hmm. I in general, tell me if this uh, Jared told me about this in the NFL prop bet market. And I've been. Looking at it, it's been profitable for me. Sometimes paying the heavy juice in the prop bet market is okay. Um, because when it gets to the heavy juice, like it's pretty much guaranteed to the damn happen. And they they do that before moving it up. I, I minus 158 today. Brooke Lopez made threes, Kev. Mm. It's at one and a half. It's at one and a half. One and a half. Okay. I believe um, you know, they rely on Brooke Lopez. 
to shoot from the outside. He takes those attempts, and if they need more offense, like we talked about Middleton, we talked about Giannis. I mean, like, Brooke Lopez is a big piece of that, and he does camp behind the arc. What do you think? Brooke Lopez made threes um, over one and a half at minus 158. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting to me, and and look, I like to play the juices there for a reason. He hit two threes in the first three minutes of this game. But it is puzzling that he left that game yesterday with three of five Mm. from deep. Like, and that would be that would be my only bit of concern is where did he go? Because he's not vanished in two second halves now in two straight games. Do the Heat, you know, are they lacking focus on, on as a you know game opens against him? Are the Miami Heat, you know, isolating and say, okay, he has it, we have to completely take him out, and they're able to just completely do so? Are the Bucks getting away from what makes them them? Like because five of eight shooting from the field and three of five from deep, like he was incredibly effective. Yeah, go back to it, right? Yeah, yeah. But for so, like, I just find it odd that that's where he was capped. Like, if I'm going to pay that level of juice, I'd like a little bit more of a test. But you only need two of them to go in, and he's gotten that in both games in the series. Like, I like it where yeah. I like where you're at. I just, it's almost something that you brought up that kind of like it's odd that that's where he finished. And that would be something I think to watch. And maybe Dane, though, it's a good indicator of what the Bucks could also do. Maybe it's right, more Brook Lopez possessions. Right. I actually, when you you know you make a great point, like where did he go? I actually think that could be evidence for me wanting to play this prop, right? Because Milwaukee has to make adjustments. Okay, so why not feed the third biggest scorer on your team who has been successful, who is a key part? Maybe the answer is we need to give him more attempts, you know. And if that kind of volume grows, then I like this play even more. We'll hold it there. We got another uh, number one seed to talk about, and we will do that when we come back. Your Los Angeles Lakers are finally back in action. It's been a while. And by the way, is Brooklyn in the house? We have to talk about a team that has already left the bubble because they made big news as well. We will do that when we come back. Game one of the Western Conference final and coaching news in the NBA. Stick with us right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Right here onto the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Keeping it up to date for you, giving you all the information you need to you know, hopefully make it a profitable holiday weekend. And Kev, we do have a programming note. We should let people know that on Monday we get a day off, brother man. Um, (laughs) So on Labor Day, there will be no normal show. But Kev, when we get back at it on Tuesday, live and direct here for the early line, Kev, it's week one of the football season. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm ready and excited about that. You, my friend, deserve a day off because of what I am giving you as your new nickname, the candle burner. You do it at birth ends. You deserve a day. I hope you enjoy your holiday weekend. Someone who may enjoy their holiday weekend is LeBron and the Lakers because they are back in action. They've had a holiday, right? You know, they've had like a little bubble break, but they are back for game one, um, you know, against the who are they playing? The Houston Rockets there against the Houston Rockets who have moved on after another game seven. Let me ask you this. The, the, the Nuggets were running on fumes. 
against the rested Clippers. I know you reject that narrative. Is there anything to that narrative in this game? You got the Rockets coming off their emotional game seven and all that. Um, and the Lakers have been waiting in the clubhouse for them. How do you see the beginning parts of this game? Do you believe in the Lakers being rested or the Lakers being rusty? Yeah, so I don't think there's going to be a level of rust. And I think that you can okay. pull from watching the Clippers, right? Like, they didn't look, like, kind of out of sorts or anything like that, which I do think, um, you know, it is good to see. So for me, and again, I told you, I, I just I just don't think that the, it, that excuse is there for the Nuggets. But that doesn't mean that everybody else won't. I'm almost surprised that this is only here to six. Although, to be hmm. fair, it was sad, you know, at one point at like four and a half. And people have just been more and more excited to back this Lakers team. The ultimate reason why I would back the Lakers in this spot is I think that LeBron will know the importance of this opening game. I think that he hmm. will view this as an opportunity to jump on Houston, establish it. I don't think that he's all too thrilled about losing game number one in the last series. I don't think that he wants to make that a regular thing for his group. So I right. think that this game will have the highest of priorities. Now, he is the only player in league history, probably, where we will have a conversation about his level of care for a, a conference semifinal game. And then we will, or at least I, will be able to use that to totally decide what I do as if the Houston Rockets basically are at his mercy and his <laughs> level of care that dictates the outcomes. But yeah, no, that's, that's how I feel. Like, I, I just think that the Lakers are going to be imposed their will. The Rockets did have a seven-game battle there against the Thunder, and mm -hmm. it, to me, showed that they're closer to the Thunder's level than to that of the Lakers. All right, fair enough. You know, one thing I do want us to keep our eye on in this series, because, you know, you're talking about the framework of it's about if LeBron wants to or not. Like, the switch can be flipped, in essence, right? And that's one working idea you know i've talked about my working idea that it is ultimately with the rockets that they are live because of their style of play and how they shove all in right that no matter the level of care that the rockets have a way to victory right now will they hit all of those threes will that style of play ultimately be successful so one thing i want to look at kev let's pay attention to if there are games in this series where houston is over 40 percent and lose or have bad shooting nights and still win, right? That's something that we do want to monitor. But I believe another big matchup in this series, Kev, and we've looked at it, you've been playing this, you've been having an advantage by playing this, is the balance of some of the big trees that the Lakers have, the Anthony Davises, the JaVale McGee's, the, the, the Dwight Thomas, uh, the Dwight Howards of the world, right? Against good old P.J. Tucker, right? And so talk to me about this for things like, P.J. Tucker's rebound prop, which I know you've been all over, which is still at six and a half with minus 110 as the juice. That's not that bad if you want to continue on that trend. Or playing it the other way, Kev, with like Anthony Davis's rebound prop as 11 and a half. And then not only in the prop bet market, Kev, but literally in X's and O's, in the flow of the game, right? Because it's a gift and a curse with this kind of difference. The small ball of the Rockets... Right. How the hell do you defend Anthony Davis? How the hell do you board against Anthony Davis? Right. But then on the other side, it's also 
True. Like, how is Dwight Howard on the defensive end going to play defense against someone 6'5", right? So both of these things are true. It's both sides of the coin. How mm-hmm. do you see this working out? And how will you play this, Kev, in this series, at least going into it, to make money in the prop market? So it is going to be very interesting to see if the Lakers do roll forward with what is their usual starting five, right? So you got LeBron, Danny Green, KCP, AD, and then JaVale McGee. Yeah, and you ask yourself, okay, so where do we go with JaVale Mead? But here's the thing. The, the, the Lakers do have this flexibility. P.J. Tucker does one thing on offense. Stands in the corner. Shoot from the corner, it's baby. All he does. It's all he does. He's not putting it on the deck. Like, that's not a thing. So hey, offensive how- rebounds, though. Offensive rebounds, putbacks. Come on, that's another thing he does on offense. No, no, no. Right, but like that's where JaVale McGee is fine. Like, that's not fine. a level of <laughs> That's where JaVale McGee is fine. Right? So then you would say, oh, well, they have two bigs. Luckily, the other big is a freaking unicorn who's one of the three best defensive players in all of basketball and will have no problem follow, following Robert Covington around the perimeter. Sure. And okay. then when you go down to the other side, this is where this will get all very interesting because Robert Covington is best suited to guard AD and he is best suited to guard LeBron. And they're going to have to pick their poison. So if they mm. go for Cov- Covington on LeBron, because ultimately you'd probably want to go to the head of this whole Best matchup there, yeah. And then you're probably going to have to go P.J. Tucker on A.D., who's given up you know, six inches there. I mean, yeah. and then what happens with JaVale McGee? Because your other three guys on the court are Harden, Gordon, and Westbrook. Now, Harden is a good post defender, and the Lakers will never throw the ball into JaVale McGee for post touches. That's a preposterous concept. But where they can pick on this Rockets team is vertical. Lobs. Use the height advantage that there's nothing Harden or Tucker can do. Have LeBron continually throw these dimes. And that is why I think looking at the LeBron assist prop is certainly going to be one way for this. Because, I mean, look, he, all, you know, he averages you know 10 anyway. The, the, the assist right. props uh, are always high for him. Okay, 10 and a half. Although plus 102 to that over. I just I think that that's going to be a way that they can attack them when they're rolling out their double big lineups. And when then they're not rolling out their double big lineups, well, they have, to me, a better small ball five when you swap out a JaVale McGee for either a Kyle Kuzma or a Markeith Morris. Okay. Or I even like a Caruso, I've... whatever you want to do. Oh, like, true. No, play LeBron that's true. I've got... Four. Okay, so yeah, you're right. The Lakers do have these options, right, on how to counter Houston, whereas Houston, you know, they just ain't got the size to counter this, right? So it's going to be there behind the eight ball. So let me give you a narrative, Kev. Let me give you a narrative, and you're talking about, like, LeBron as, you know, switch flipper, LeBron as puppet master, LeBron as, like, you know, basketball savant of all time. So tell me if this narrative fits into... You know, you think the way LeBron pulls the strings, right? LeBron, in his art of war, right? Hmm. What does he need more than anything to hoist the championship this year? In my opinion, he needs AD. He needs AD to be that guy, right? And in the first round, there was like, AD needs to establish dominance. AD needs to do this. AD needs to play like a five. Now, there ain't nobody over 6'6 on the other side, right? Hmm. I believe in LeBron's mind... The thing to do early 
is get AD dominant. Establish that, right? Take the soul of P.J. Tucker and the Houston Rockets inside down low, right? So I, mm-hmm. I can see a place where this is one of those, like, Anthony Davis games where LeBron is like, nah, we got to get AD going, okay? Anthony Davis pl- points plus rebounds, Kev, 33 and a half. I think that's low for game one. That's 43 and a half, right? Has to be. Not 33 and a half. His point total is like 30 and a half. Anthony Davis. Oh, excuse me. My bad. Points plus assists is 33 and a half. Let me get his points plus rebounds. Let me get his point. I'm trying to find it, brother. I'm trying to find it. Where is it? Help me out. Help me out. Points plus rebounds. Because I see all these points plus rebounds, but only on the lake, on the uh, rocket side, which is then an interesting question also. I see Harden, Westbrook, Gordon, Covington, Green, House, but none of the I got it all the way at the bottom. 42 and a half for uh, AD. It's all the way at the bottom. Uh, I don't know why they don't have it. My bad. My bad. That is my fault. So Hold talk to me, I don't know though, what... about the narrative. Would you play AD, though? So Would you still play here... AD? Because that's where my mind goes. So AD can dominate this team. But AD dominated this team when they played in February in the Lakers' loss. Here's what that's the right. Rockets don't, okay? But AD Rockets... did hit his prop bet total, though, in that game. 100%. I remember it because I was on it. 100%. AD post-touches, right? He can dominate. But that's kind of a win for the Rockets, unless he's wildly efficient, because this is math. You're two versus our three. And they actually do have some, like James Harden, for all of the, you know, jokes and Twitter clips, is a legitimately good post defender, right? So that's what happens. And that's where they do trick teams. They're like, ah, yes, please, this terrible matchup for us. You're big on Harden in the post. Clank, three. Do it again. Do it again. Clank, three, do it again. Mm. Good bucket, three, it's nine, two. You know what I mean? So, like, this yeah. is this is where they will try. But the Lakers know this. They've been preparing for this. And this is and this is why I think that that they're gonna, it's gonna be a lot of kick and lob, kick and drive from LeBron. Mm. We're talking about him pulling the strings here in every way imaginable. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, you know, we'll see how he puppeteers this entire thing. And if the Rockets, like I said, keep your eye, guys, on that 40% threshold, Houston from three. I believe that is a defining factor for Houston. Kevin thinks that the switch can be flipped. And if LeBron cares, that's all that matters. I do want to have one other note here in the NBA. Here at the early line, we tip our cap. To Ja Morant, who was voted the Rookie of the Year in the NBA. I know all roads lead to Mount Zion, but you have to tip your cap to Ja Morant, who did it for longer and, you know, ultimately got his Memphis Grizzlies at least into the playoff game, even with Jaron Jackson going down. The future is bright, obviously, for both of these rookies, other rookies in Miami as well. But I think they got it right. Was Zion a transformative force for the Pelicans when he came back? Yes, but he just wasn't on the court enough. John Morant has all-star games in his future and I think is perfect for the NBA in 2020. You're rookie of the year. John Morant, Kev, I got to think that you're cool with this and you enjoy this as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's so silly. It doesn't get unanimous. And he's like, thanks to the one voter who didn't so I can stay hungry. Yeah, whatever. Oh, God, this is all such a song and dance. And that guy who didn't vote for him, it's ridiculous. But, But ultimately, listen, John Morant is someone that I was excited about coming into the year at Murray State. Oh, yeah. And he played as well as you could imagine. But I think even the high the high people on John Morant, I mean, he is, like, 
such a franchise talent for the Grizzlies. Like, what a perfect player oh, yeah. for that team. Absolutely. For, for what they want to be. And look, they hit an absolute home run with that selection. He wins, rightfully so, the rookie of the year. And, uh, you know, they're going to be one of those teams that we're going to be real excited because they were right there on the cusp. They were right mm-hmm. there. You know, can they get back? Yeah. Or now do we wait a couple of seasons before we do see uh, this team kind of in that mix again? Real interesting group. Now, there are a lot of real interesting groups, as we have talked about in the NBA, a lot of young, talented cores that are on the ascend. Even after these playoffs are over, we're going to be excited to see those guys develop. And again, congratulations to John Moran. When we come back, we've got head coaching news in the NBA. We'll talk about that when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in on SportsGrid to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, we're focused on, you know, the, 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 the teams that are still playing. In the NBA, and there are eight teams still left in the bubble with a chance for the Larry O'Brien Trophy. But one of the teams that does not have a chance anymore is the Brooklyn Nets. And we have been talking about this. What will they look like next year? Well, Kyrie Irving will be there. Kevin Durant will be there. And a new head coach who has experience working with Kevin Durant will be there. And something of a surprise move, I got to say, Kev, Steve Nash is the Mm. new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. I believe it is a four-year deal. Now, he has experience with KD in uh, Golden State. They were working together. And, you know, we thought it could be names like Ty Lue, other guys that were close to the big boys on the Brooklyn Nets. But Jacques Vaughn is gone, and it is not a tried-and-true, proven, respected name around the league it's someone else getting their first shot and mostly probably because of the relationship with star player what do you think Jacques Vaughn is out Steve Nash is in this is as surprising of a head coach hire I think you could imagine he was not rumored in any circles yeah like this is completely under wraps and then boom the news drops and I have gone back and forth on this hire by the minute um Steve Nash knows the game. We know that, right? And when you see sure. point guards uh, are typically, you know, the position that most often will, uh, you know, become a head coach. And he's one of the best point guards the league has seen. I think to the fact that people always say that Steve Nash is probably ahead of his time. And had he been able to shoot the ball, you know, almost 20 yeah. times a game, what could he have, could he have averaged? And he understands the seven modern less, game. Right? Seven and seven I, and seconds or less, right? Yeah. And I think that that is a positive. And I think that Nash does have the pedigree that you would hope can command the respect of KD and Kyrie. All of that being said, and we know the relationship with KD is a big reason he got this job, maybe the reason he got this job. This team is a title or bust team next year. And the guy at the top has never done it before. It's a bold move. Yeah, it is a bold move, and I know there will also be out there people who think like, hey, how does this guy get his first chance? There's, a, You know, you mentioned he's a great point guard. So was Jacques Vaughn, and he did anything to lose this job, but that's another topic for another day. Hour number two is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 